0: Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. I'm joined in the studio today with two of our regular contributors to the YPT blog. Uh, Joseph Bradley is the student pastor at Second Baptist Church in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, and Nick Hartman is the associate pastor of Students and Discipleship
1: at Mount Carmel Baptist Church in
0: Cross Plains, Tennessee. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing well, Mike. It's uh, It's good to be on the podcast. We feel so famous now. You
0: are so famous. You guys are such big deals, you don't even know.
1: Uh, I don't know
2: about that, but you know, we, we like being here, we like talking with you, and uh, excited to get into some good conversation today.
0: Yeah, I, I should send you guys a t-shirt with a YPT logo that just says, I'm a big deal. Because uh, <laughs> that's what we're all about here at Youth Festival Religion. Yeah, right. Doing
1: it, doing it for the likes. Yeah, well,
0: is there any other reason to do youth ministry (laughs) other than the prestige and the big bucks? Right.
1: Hey. The dollar mm-hmm. bills is why I do student ministry, so... <laughs> I'm, I'm rolling in the Washingtons right now, so... <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. All right, hey, so, uh, Nick, Joseph, it's so fun to have you guys on the podcast together. Uh, could you share with our listeners a little bit about how you guys know each other outside of the website?
1: Yeah, so uh, we have a very interesting connection in that uh, our wives are cousins. So my wife and his wife are related and so that's actually how we met is I had uh, been married to my wife for a couple years and he ended up um getting married to my wife's cousin and so uh we kind of struck up a friendship through that and uh then have had very similar paths in youth ministry so that's been really cool.
2: Yeah, Joseph's been a part of uh several life events. He was there when I got engaged to my wife, he was there when we got married and then uh, Recently, the Lord's really found fit to kind of time our paths very similarly. Um, so we transitioned, he transitioned three months before we did into a new role, and then they have a, a, a daughter that's three months older than our daughter. So um, I just kind of look to Joseph and see what's going on in his life. And uh, if it's really good, I'm like, thank you, Lord. If it's really bad, I'm like, okay, what do I do? need to stop, uh, you know, <laughs> this happening to me? Yep.
0: yep. All right, so I don't remember which one of you found Youth Pastor Theologian first. Joseph
2: did. I so, did. So it was that also
0: you were also, leading also the way yes. Yeah. He
2: had started talking to you, Mike, and then I came in and I was like, "Hey, I got a book review and got published before he did." <laughs> um, which is often how this works. You know, he'll find yep. something and I'll be like, "Hey,
0: cuz I'm more <laughs> and then of the you're networker." Like, yep. yep. Yeah. That's funny. Yep. Okay, that's that's good. All right, so as we uh, in this episode, we're gonna be talking about the intersection of theology and apologetics. Um, and so before we dive into the topic, I uh, want to allow us to laugh at each other a little bit. And um, who were some of your favorite teen, who were some of your favorite athletes? As teenagers. I always think it's interesting to hear more about our guests as teenagers. So who is your favorite athlete as a teenager and why? Joseph, why don't you go first?
1: Okay. Yeah. My uh so I had I had one one kind of highlight and then another one that I think you'll appreciate. Um, but my number one was Jose Juan Berea, who is a little six foot uh, not very athletic point guard on the Dallas Mavericks when they made their championship run. And I looked at him and said, "Ah, oh, that's going to be me one day. I can make it to the NBA. Look, he's short and not athletic, too. <laughs> um, so that was that was number one. Uh, but then also Tom Brady legitimately uh, yes. was a big fan because I I loved again. I loved the idea of someone who was underwhelming. And was not expected to be great, that kind of became great. Because again, my original dreams were college sports and, uh, yep. and pro sports. And so I said, yep, if these guys can do it, of course, I can be just like them. It'll be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and that's how you became a youth pastor, too, is you were a six round draft <laughs> pick and kind of
2: <laughs> undervalued, <laughs> underrated. And then they're like, wait a minute, he's pretty good.
0: Yep. Exactly right. I'm, I'm yeah, going to write him. He, write him he, yeah. he just got drafted to the youth pastor league. Ugh, that's Someday he'll
1: get promoted to the big leagues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my yeah. my first published work is is going to be uh, a memoir of my time in youth ministry just called Underwhelming. That's, <laughs> that's going to be mine. Yeah.
0: Well, you're really, uh, you're really amping up your credibility here to add some good <laughs> counsel and wisdom. All right, Nick, who, who did you root for as a teenager?
2: Yeah, so 2011 was kind of the year that I really picked um, my my people. Uh, growing up in Kansas City, big Royals Chiefs fan. Um, 2011 was a good year for the Mavericks, too. They won the the uh, NBA championship that year. So, right. uh, But look, new guy in the league, rookie, his name was Salvador Perez. He's a catcher for the Royals, pretty well-known. Um, And then eventually played a huge role in their championship run in 2015. Um, So big fan of Salvador Perez. And then uh, also was a big Chiefs fan. Um, Actually met this guy and, you know— there's only like three punters that you should be fans of in the league. But Dustin Colquitt was a guy who was a punter for the Chiefs for a long time. And I met him through FCA and got to know him. And he just was a man of character. And he was a really good punter. So um, really enjoyed watching him too
0: growing up. But Nice. that's Punters are not often listed when people think, who's your who's your athletic hero growing up?
2: Well, they're probably going to, if they say punter, it's probably going to be somebody like Pat McAfee or something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's an unusual answer. I I respect that. I respect that. (laughs) So, Hey, uh, so one of the reasons we're talking about theology and apologetics is because um, I, I posted something on Twitter not too long ago. And, Ended up getting into a uh, Twitter argument with some of my writers uh, and social media. <laughs> and I'm like, is this good leadership? I don't know. <laughs> um, but you know, we open dialogue. This is helpful. Yep. And I thought that it was genuinely a, a productive and helpful conversation because sometimes it is when you're working out ideas. Um, it, it it can be helpful to throw out your ideas, more than a half baked idea, but um, you know sometimes you word things well on social media, and sometimes you don't. And in this instance, I didn't. And I, I posted something about um, apologetics, and you know, maybe we need to stop focusing so much on apologetics and, and youth ministry and that, whatever. And I kid you not, I knew, Joseph, that <laughs> you were going to disagree. I knew that you and Chris Talbot were going to attack me. And yep. I was like, all right. And both of them
2: texted me about it too. So <laughs> Yeah. I,
0: <laughs> yeah. So then Yeah. So I, I'm I'm tweeting on with you guys and then they turned into a text conversation and Nick's kind of playing referee in the middle. So I was like, I'm you like, know, hey. this would be a fun podcast conversation because I know we don't actually disagree here. I yep. just don't know how to articulate what I'm trying to say. Um so um yeah, that was kind of the, the origin a little bit. So persuade us all even though you don't really need to persuade anyone about the value of apologetics. Um, but Joseph, here here's your moment. Um, why is it important uh, for each of us to be teaching and emphasizing apologetics in our youth ministries?
1: Okay, I've been waiting for this my whole life, man. Here we go. I'm sure um, you have. <laughs> no, so I was I was thinking about it uh, the other day, even after we had obviously kind of worked through our our little Twitter spat. <laughs> um, but I think it's it's honestly it's a problem of definitions. Is when most people uh, that are not trained in that kind of field, when they think apologetics, they are thinking more of what we call natural theology, which is. What arguments can you make for God without using the Bible? And I think that, yes, that is a kind of apologetics, but it's a very small kind of niche uh, area of it. Whereas apologetics as a whole uh, is much larger than that. And I think uh, I like the way that Jay Warner Wallace words it uh, in his book Forensic Faith, where he talks about the idea of being a Christian case maker and the idea of in court. You're offering reasons why you believe this is true, but you're also offering reasons why you believe the opposition is wrong. And so I think when we think of that, well, that opens up a whole new area where you don't have to be an expert in very narrow topics, but you can still emphasize the importance of having reasons for your belief, um, evidence for specific uh, doctrines, even things like uh, evidence of the resurrection, right, is is a very helpful tool that is not divorced from Scripture. And in fact, you even look at like the Apostle Paul uh, and some of the uh, other apostles like Peter and and even Stephen in his big address is they offer evidence that is technically not quoting Scripture that is just making a stronger case for what they're trying to convince or persuade their audience for. And so, I think when you see apologetics more in that light, well, that provides a lot of flexibility. And it really is just, you're not even defending the faith as we tend to define it that way, where you're mainly just offering good reasons and thinking carefully about what you already believe. And so I think there is is an element in youth ministry, and I grew up in very large youth ministries, uh, mainly in the Southeast, but there is a tendency for us to just tell kids what is true and not digging into the, okay, why do we believe it's true? And I think apologetics Mm -hmm. is just kind of rounding out what you're already teaching i think that's if that makes sense yeah
0: all right so nick when you think about apologetics right when you hear when you hear people promoting you know hey we need to do more apologetics in youth group um what comes to your mind when you hear them like what do you hear them asking for when people ask for more apologetics
2: yeah i think you know our teenagers are looking for answers to questions and they're asking big questions right And so oftentimes when you think about apologetics and what is the defense of the faith, um, it's not just defensive like hey, let's just answer these questions because the world's asking them too, but it's exploratory a lot in a lot of ways and far as like hey let's let's dive into what the Word of God has to say and how it's connected and um, what it does have these answers to big questions. Um, and so, I think, like, when somebody is going to talk to me or ask me, hey, what is apologetics? I mean, you really are looking at a multifaceted, um, lots of different concepts of areas for, um, for different things. But I also think it boils down to the simple fact of, like, um, it is tied together with theology. It's tied together of who is God and what does He want from us? What does He want from man? Um, or what does he desire man to know? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot with what Joseph says, and, you know, I think of, of Paul in Acts 17 when he's in front of all of the the thought leaders and the philosophers of his day, and he's able to uh, put up a defense for his faith, and um, largely, so yeah, it would be a defense and an exploration, because I think that's how we get to, to see what who Paul is and what he has done in his life, is he's explored and known, but, you know, You could do all of that detached from the fact of the gospel and detached from the fact of Jesus Christ. If you don't have the, if you don't have Jesus Christ at the center of it, I don't think it's truly Christian
0: apologetics. Mm -hmm. All right, say that last sentence again.
2: Yeah, if you don't have Jesus Christ at the center of it, right? The gospel, what Christ has done, it's not truly Christian apologetics.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's it right there. And so I guess that's part of what I was trying to push back against. Um, so maybe it's, and, and we were discussing this in our text thread. Uh, maybe some of this has to do with our, just our, our different cultural um, situations. That me being in New England, where it's just very, very secular. Um, I mean, even as a as a teenager, and you know, you guys are young. I'm old. Um, well, even back then, um, in, in the 90s, a lot of the talk about apologetics was you know about you know evolution, about creationism, um, about uh, abortion. Uh, now about uh, sexuality and, and gender. Um, is Jesus really the only way? How do we know that Jesus rose from the grave? These types of things. And so when youth groups do a series on apologetics, it's on these specific questions. So when I hear people advocating for apologetics, and those are super important questions, right? So I, I'm definitely not diminishing those. Um, I mean, I, I, I teach all those questions. I, I think it's really important that we address those particular questions. But if if we're if we're putting all of our eggs in the apologetics basket, and what apologetics means is just persuading people in a seven day creation or persuading people against you know evolutionistic creation and uh, persuading this and persuading that, then it's like where's the gospel? Like where's the cross? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I because I think that's the way apologetics has been treated in youth ministry for a long, long time, and I think that's completely missing the point. So that's what I was trying to caution us against. Yeah, so Joseph, help me, or not help me, say it for me. I guess, (laughs) how should I have worded what I'm trying to say? Because my, I guess, my understanding of apologetics is just too thin.
1: Yeah, and and I agree with with pretty much what what y'all both have said. And I think um, seeing it as maybe more of a subset of theology where you you have, you know, obviously your biblical studies, your systematic, your biblical theology, like you have all these categories that you don't necessarily just teach on, but they are a part of communicating the overall picture of of the gospel. And I I think that's a, a very helpful understanding is remembering that, yeah, if you have just made one point about a very specific issue, you've missed the point. now if you can connect that to the gospel and how that strengthens your case for it, yes, you've done something beneficial. so yeah, I don't I don't know maybe with your uh with your original tweet is maybe um, if if you have if you have provided answers to apologetic questions and haven't connected it to the gospel, then you've missed the point I think would probably yeah. be a better way uh, yeah. because I think, most any apologist worth his salt any christian philosopher would say the same thing they would say well no right. that's you're talking about the the limited interaction that you're getting there now if that's the question that someone is asking then it's important to address that topic but mm-hmm. it, yeah it can't be divorced from the overall picture of well yes there is a god who exists who you need a relationship with and jesus is the only way you you have to find a way to get to that main idea yeah. yeah. So, and that's the
0: thing is that as we were kind of going back and forth, about it, I was like, look, I know we don't actually disagree here <laughs> because I am not anti-apologetics. Um, one of, one of um, Youth Pastor Theologian's dear partners is an apologetics ministry up in Canada called Prepared to Answer. You're going to be hearing a lot more uh, about Prepared to Answer in the coming months. And they're an incredible ministry doing really wonderful work in the area of apologetics. Mm-hmm. So this is not anything to demean the value or the role of apologetics, but I just didn't know how to <laughs> articulate it. So uh, the more we were talking, and even as the, I hear you kind of articulate it yourself, part of me wants to say that's cheating, right? Saying that, well, I mean, we just teach the Bible and teach doctrine and teach it in a way that you're thinking about students' objections, and mm-hmm. you're just teaching it well. Part of me wants to say, "Well, that's that's just good teaching, right?" Just just True. teach it well. True. Like like if you're not if you're not thinking about someone's objections, about the questions they have, um, and about the reasons why they might disagree with you, then you're not doing a good job teaching. Um, and so I was thinking through that and then thinking, well, this is the same argument that people say when we say, well, we need to teach theologically, right? It doesn't mean that we always need to teach theology, but we always need to be teaching theologically. And I've heard people say, well, that's that's kind of like, yes, of course we need to like teach doctrine when we teach the Bible, but we're not just systematic theologians in the youth room, right? We're teaching theologically, but we're not always teaching theology. Um, so I don't know who of you wants to take this first, but um could could you unravel at least for you and in your ministry, what does it mean um, to distinguish between teaching theology and teaching theologically? And how does that help us think a little bit about the difference between teaching apologetics and teaching apologetically? like how do we how do we navigate that that tension and interconnectedness?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll jump in on that. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a very similar dynamic where, like, for instance, when you say teaching theology, people hear that and they immediately, again, go to a niche interaction where they think you're talking mm-hmm. about Calvinism or eschatology. And, that, and that's right. what you mean when yeah. you say teaching theology, where the difference becomes theology is a very broad subject that you're trying to unravel, but Christianity is big. It is the, you know, Greg Kokel calls it the story of reality, where you you are talking about the foundation of everything, um, and you're trying to help students understand that in a a fuller light. So technically, yes, you can just, and we do this all the time with with gospel tracks and the bracelets that have the four points where you want to get through the whole gospel story quickly. You can do that, absolutely. But when you're talking about teaching in your ministry where you've got kids that you're entrusted with for years and years and years, if all you ever teach is that one same story, I think you're mm-hmm. doing a disservice to them. And and I like the fact that, Mike, you kind of just said that's that's called teaching well, because it is. <laughs> it it, is. If, you are, if you are teaching only this one little area over and over again, you are setting them up to either have lots of doubts, where there's questions that other people are asking around them that they're never hearing about, or you're stunting their evangelistic potential, I would even think, where you're yeah. saying, hey, if if I'm wanting a high school student to know their faith well enough to where they can begin to communicate it to their peers, they need to know a little bit more than just that basic story. Because what happens as soon as One of their, you know, they tell the gospel story or go through a tract or something and their student says, well, okay, who, what God are you talking about? And they Mm -hmm. go, uh, 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 like, how do I, (laughs) you know, how do I answer that question? So I think the difference is it's not teaching particular, um, subjects necessarily where you're saying, look, we're going to go through, you know, these five theories of the atonement or something. It's not that. It's thinking carefully about the stories that they already know, right? The truths that they've, yeah. they've heard in story, you're just digging deeper into that. And so, for instance, prime example, um, I was uh, teaching last year on, I did a three-week series on Christ right before uh, Christmas last year. And so, we did three weeks. So, we did the, uh, the pre-existent Word, the incarnate Word, and then the, the ascended Christ. That was kind of the basic idea. And so you're still telling the same story of God, God who is eternal, has always existed, comes to earth, does what is necessary, the work of salvation, and then ascends. But we dug a little bit deeper and said, okay, so what does it mean that Jesus had a human nature? And you you kind of just unravel it a little bit further. Now you didn't get into, here's all the heresies that have messed this up in one lesson, but it did help you to just add a little bit of meat To the the structure that you had already taught. I think that's kind of the big distinguishing factor for me is it's a way of diving deeper without reducing the whole thing to, you know, what you learned in a seminary class one time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. Yeah. I mean,
2: you know, to add in on that too, like when we think about what theology is, um, you're thinking about, you know, the the pursuit of God, the pursuit of understanding of God, which is which is an intellectual pursuit, and uh, you know there's a there's a little book by Crossway, Michael Wilkins contributes to it, and it's biblical and theological studies, a student guide, and he has this definition. He says theology is a pursuit, an intellectual pursuit, but it's about it's ultimately about a restored relationship with God through the finished work of work of Christ. Right. And the Christian theologian should not be able to study God without passionately pursuing knowledge of the creator and redeemer. And like that's, you know, that's teaching theologically in your your ministry, you know, it's teaching about the redeemer, the creator, the fact that you know we are sinners. It's 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 unfolding the gospel story, not just making it four points, but unfolding it so much that students become in awe of who God is. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's that's going to be the big difference as we pursue forward in student ministry and um, reach students for Christ is not necessarily, hey, you're going to hell if you don't, um, you know, repent, which is obviously true. But it's more of that. How how do we let students be in awe of something? You know that Gen Gen yeah. A Alpha generation. Um, one of the, the the distinguishing marks between Alpha generation and Gen Z is wanting to be difference makers, wanting to make a difference in the world. And so, if you can challenge them to be in awe of Christ, um, you know, and that that's what I think teaching theologically and teaching apologetically do they they're like, man, I never thought that I could go this deep. It's it's like the same, you know, when we ask students, what's your favorite subject? And then we ask them why. And oftentimes, it's not because of the subject, it's because of the teacher, right? You know, I like history, but my history teacher is boring. I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge history fan this year. But so, I don't know. I think that's part of it is it's not just sticking to, uh, you know, the systematic theology regimen or anything like that. But looking at your lesson that you might be preaching that day. And if it's in Romans 4, you know, talking about uh, the typological connections between Abraham and Christ, uh, talking about what does it mean by faith alone, you know? Um, So, and and just going through those different themes that we see that roll out throughout entire Scripture, where you can begin to look at these broader theological topics that Systematic Theology textbooks do address but guess what? You're in a youth room, not a classroom. And you can, you can, you don't have to follow along with the, you know, prologamia, you know, God, creation, yeah. fall, you teach it, still teach the content, but spread it out over different life and, and, and different things like that. So,
0: yep. yeah. Well, and I think understanding the affections is a really helpful pastoral and theological key. Um so like if we understand um what the affections are like what what do students care about Ooh. uh what are they passionate about what do they desire um then that could be a really helpful way for us to navigate how to teach theologically and apologetically um with with depth as youth pastor theologians uh what are some um insights or comments that you guys have that you, that you take into account um, students' affections when it comes time to prepare your messages so that you're not just a theology professor in the youth room, right? Um, but so that you're not just teaching like a Christian life coach, right? So how do you, how do the affections shape the way we teach the Bible? And
1: how does apologetics help with that? Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a great question, and one that I think um, not many people ask, and is why they keep butting their heads up against a wall when it comes to trying to teach theology. Uh, Because one thing, and I was I was thinking of this as as Nick was talking, one thing that at least I don't do in my ministry, I don't use the big terms. I communicate the same idea though, and so like I never said the hypostatic union when we were teaching on Christ. I was communicating that idea, but kids get bogged down when you start using really big words anyway, because there's so many big words when you're talking about teaching theology. You could use an endless line of them that no one would understand, and it it just clogs things up a little bit. Uh, but when it comes to the affections, I think there's there's two sides of it. One, there are the things uh, I am I am a firm believer in the fact that humans, as part of the imago Dei, have these desires for goodness and for beauty, right? Right. There, there's a reason that we are all inclined towards things like morality. There's a reason that we uh, have imaginations, right? God has made us in such a way where it's not just that we understand truth, but there is also these inner desires that are pointing us toward what is actually good, what is beautiful, which ultimately is is God himself, obviously. But yeah. one of the things that when it comes to using affections as I teach specifically. I'm very big on good analogies and and good metaphors, things that they understand, Um, whether it's finding stuff. I love using movies. I'm a big movie person, and there's so many Mm -hmm. good examples that you can find in movies that kids understand already that they've seen before that you can show them how that is very similar to understanding this key part of the gospel. Um, But also in realizing that... um, when it comes to the, the culture that our, our students are currently in, everything is based off feeling. We're, we're talking about even issues of sexuality. It's, it's what you feel you can remake yourself into. And so there is an element where what feelings allow us to do is, is to experience the truth. And I, I think rightly ordered affections, that's their goal, is it helps us to feel deeply what we believe in our mind to be true. And I I know that, um, I love uh, Blaise Pascal in, in his Pensies. He talks about how when it comes to the gospel, we it, the way that he phrases it, he says, we should make good men wish that it were true and then show them that it is. And so there's this idea yeah. of there is something that this missing need that they have in their life that they just can't quite pin down. And we are helping them as Christians and as as youth pastors to see the truth that ultimately that need is pointing them toward. And so I think that's a huge part of it is you are learning to communicate the gospel in such a way that you're still focusing on the truth. You know, you don't want to say, if your girlfriend broke up with you, you know, God will never leave you. Well, we probably don't want to do that. But we can say, hey, you know, that need, the reason that maybe you think you're incomplete without a relationship is because there's something deeper that is ultimately a problem there that God does want to speak into. And so, yeah, I think there's a balance there, but I think apologetics helps because it gives us those kind of reasons, those kind of evidences. There, there's lots of great, even in CS Lewis's work, there's arguments for beauty, desire, um, the moral yeah. argument, right? You have all of these things that, yeah, they do matter deeply to us. Um, and so they're giving us a way to communicate toward, toward felt needs without making that the fundamental part of our gospel presentation.
0: Yeah. That's so good. Yeah,
2: man. And I think, you know, there's a couple points there too, is like you're hearing, you might be a youth pastor. You might be hearing this and be like, man, how do I prepare for that? You know, because (laughs) if you're, if you haven't been to seminary or you haven't taken the philosophy classes or you haven't read Francis Schaeffer or C.S. Lewis or, you know, because Joseph's Joe, I mean, I, I would say a youth pastor theologian has to be a little bit of a nerd, um, you know. In a lot of ways, if you want to, that doesn't mean that, someone
0: who wants to be a nerd. <laughs> yes, yes, uh,
2: that doesn't mean that you have to have the big bookshelf or anything like that. A lot of these are accessible things, mm-hmm. but you 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 have to be willing to put in the work, to do the reading, to do the studying, and then to say, you know what? Okay, now I get to take this. And I get to show, you know, so you, our affections have to be mm-hmm. in order, in order for our students' affections to be in order, right, yeah. you know? And, um, I mean, I think it's just like Joseph touched on beauty. He touched on uh, the pursuit of goodness. I mean, you know, and you got to recognize what is the greatest story in the world. The fact that, you know, in a lot of ways, it's this battle between good and evil. And that's what, that's why movies are so good at, at, at showing that, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I know Mike's a big the uh, Marvel nerd, yeah. um, and so like that. But I've used Marvel clips in a lot of different ways to show, you know, this broader story. Um, and I think it just boils down to that: is um, you know, we have to be willing to put in the work to read and to know, and not just you know uh, assume. Hey, our kids need another series on sex. They do. But they don't they don't need the two thousand and five series on sex. They need the twenty twenty two series on sex, which yeah. is more about identity than actually sex. <laughs> right. You know, or they don't need the, you know, the conversations about, hey, you belong in this youth group. They need to be understood what Titus two looks like in belonging in the broader church, right? And those conversations happen through yeah understanding
1: yeah. what's going on. And I, I think that one one more point on that. I think one of the huge ways that apologetics does help in this kind of discussion is because, again, there's a positive and negative side of apologetics. You're either offering reasons for why Christianity is true, or you're exposing how the alternatives are insufficient. And I think when you start looking at what is the the greatest story, what is the the ultimate good, or what is the most beautiful concept— the alternatives are lacking, and and there is a limit to how much they can actually meet in our lives. And so, I think Christianity has a a unique opportunity in this generation with those kind of subjects because we're saying, "Look, you're you're talking about the greatest possible. You're, you're talking about cosmic justice for all the wrongs. You think about the idea of justice and how that has taken off in the last ten years. You talk about the idea of of wholeness and and the the beauty of having all of your needs met and being a whole person and not dealing with pain and suffering and, and all of those things, the Christian answer to that is much more sufficient than the alternatives. And so I think, yeah, as we're teaching those ideas, it's not that we're just going to say, oh, this is a great story, believe it. It's that we're saying, look, this is not only the good story, it is also the true story. And so it helps to connect that need again back to the gospel.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good, and it is um, one of those issues where we want to teach and apply Scripture to the whole student, um, to the head, heart, and hands. And I think sometimes when we think about um, the intersection of theology and apologetics, we can think about it just as something that addresses the head. Um, But we want to make disciple. We want to make whole disciples. Mm -hmm. And minister to the whole kid, and um, that involves their their affections, their passions. Yep. I love what you're yep. saying from uh, Pascal. Right, that uh, to address it in a way that the students really hope that this is true, and that we're showing them, guess what, it is. <laughs> so, um, any before we wrap up, uh, quick recommendations if someone wants to to read more, to learn more, uh, books, podcasts, websites, um, what, what recommendations would you point people towards?
1: Yeah. Um, so obviously I, I have read much more difficult subjects over the years and in, in some of my degrees and stuff. Um, but my, Ooh, so fancy. I know so fancy, um, you know, Ooh, Philosophers. Hey, I'm Joseph and I've read everything. <laughs> Philosophers are so cool. That's our cultural icons, right? So um no, but uh in all seriousness, so some of my former professors actually have put out some really good stuff on these subjects. Paul Gould being primarily, um, he's got a great book, Cultural Apologetics, which talks about the idea of the true, the good, and the beautiful, um, and how as Christians, we're trying to connect people to those ideas. That's a great one. He also just recently—I'm pretty sure it either has just released or it's releasing this fall—another book that's actually meant for more of the seeker, and it's called "A Good and True Story," I think, or or, or the oh, true cool. and the true and good story, something like that. Um, that's actually yeah. kind of the opposite side of that. We're saying, hey, if you're a seeker oh. or you're you know asking those questions, wrestling with it, here's an alternative. Um, I will say mm-hmm. for just general apologetics, if you've never read anything before, Paul Gould, Travis Dickinson, and Keith Lofton uh, wrote a book with B&H Academic a couple years ago called Stand Firm, and it's titled Apologetics and the Brilliance of the Gospel. It's a great summary. They write in a really accessible way, and they cover, I think there's like 13 chapters, and they cover a whole host of issues, including yeah. problem of evil, other religions, Um uh, even like knowledge and faith and how they fit together. So it's great resources there. But yeah, anything Paul Gould, this conversation, he's the guy to go to. Awesome. And Joseph uh, probably going get
2: um, a good grade in Paul Gould's class for that. Yeah. So just <laughs> yeah, there we go.
0: uh Any podcast recommendations for people who, um, you know, like me, are, spend a lot of time mm. in the car, commuting and this and that, whatever, uh, podcasts
1: that you'd recommend? Sean, Sean McDowell is a great one, man. It does, it does it better than anyone at communicating these big ideas in really easy to understand ways. Um, also very, we talk about what Nick was saying earlier, very culturally relevant where he's addressing the questions people are asking. Um, also yeah. stand to reason is, is a great organization. Greg Kokel and some of those guys, uh, a lot of articles, podcasts, videos, um, they do conferences sometimes too. So yeah, th- there's lots of good things out there. Um, there is fortunately a great legacy of better people and better thinkers who have come before us to where now, yeah, if you're really wanting to know some of these questions, there's answers out there and there's good resources. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I like Tim awesome. Barnett too. Uh, you know, Mike Winger, a red pen logic is nice for your visual learner. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And so some of those guys, um, yeah, as far as podcasts go, I, I, I second Sean McDowell. Um, Anything by Nancy Piercy too um, is really good. She's got a lot of good stuff. She's at Houston Christian University now um, and so yeah she's got some good stuff. Um, I really enjoy that And then you know if you're like if you're like me and you like statistics and numbers, anything by Barna um, is yeah. is gonna be really helpful to understand. Uh, what's going on in the world right now. So things like Faith for Exile, Exiles uh, by Mark Kinnaman, um, a few others of those that Barnes put out is really good.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I, I'd also point people to prepare to answer. Um, their website's really good. They have a really great podcast. Um, I know they're still uh, kind of under the radar for a lot of us Americans, uh, but their stuff really is, is top-notch. And um, a a YouTube channel called Truth Snack that's also a a ministry partner. Um, And so they have some really good resources there that I would also commend. So um, Joseph, Nick, thank you guys so much for uh, your friendship. Thanks for everything you do for Youth Pastor Theologian and for joining us on this episode.
1: Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for the invite. This was fun. Let's do it again soon.
0: I agree. I agree. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address, or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, Keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week.